What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here, a.k.a. the Kimura King, a.k.a. the Ayatollah of Ankle Locks. Guys, in this episode, I interview one of the coolest Instagram pages around, which is Range of Strength. He goes into mobility and flexibility without doing the normal yoga and stretching. With doing those uh, movements weighted, being able to stay in the split stance, holding weight, so you're strong in the end ranges of motion. This is a new thing I've been doing and I feel a lot better and my knees definitely feel bulletproof. Guys, before you check out the episode though, make sure to follow me at K-O-O-L-R-A-K, at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu and at Rambling with Rack. If you are in the North Jersey area and would like to try Jiu-Jitsu, check out ImmortalsJiu-Jitsu.com. If you want to learn how to put people to sleep using the Camel Crusher submission, check out Sultan of Strangles Scarf Hold Series on Teachable.com. The link is in my bio. Enjoy the episode, everybody. buddy i'm doing good how are you i i hear a little bit of like a static in the background like kind of like a waterfall are you on uh, your phone or your computer i'm on a phone interesting i'm trying to figure out what that static sound could be um might be the trees oh you're outside yeah oh okay 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 yeah i was all right cool um, so I'm just going to give you a nice, uh, intro and then we'll start. How does that sound? Sounds good, man. Awesome. All right. Just get ready. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles here. And today he, I'm with none other than range of strength guys in my life. I have seen a lot of flexible people who weighed as much as a toothpick, didn't really have any strength. And I've seen a lot of powerlifters and bodybuilders who couldn't really even wipe their own ass. But then I saw a page of someone who's jacked out of his mind, but also extremely flexible. And I researched deeply a lot of his, um, his philosophies and added it to my own training. So I thought I'd share some of that with you guys in a nice little podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Lucas. Thanks for having me on. Hell yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to go over some of your philosophies. Um, I want to start off with a little personal story. Um, you know, I do a lot of flexibility work for jujitsu, but the one flexibility thing I do, which is splits, that's just so I could be like Jean-Claude Van Damme. And <laughs> I've been failing miserably at that. I just don't, I, I don't have the right program. I have a little stretching machine. And I keep getting injured on it. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your philosophies. I know range of strength for you. It means being strong even at the the most stretched position. Like being able to do weighted, loaded stuff in a split. Just wanted to ask you about that philosophy. Yeah, it's a philosophy that I developed through my own journey. Mm -hmm. So if you've looked through some of my stuff, you would have seen that I came from a traditional strength training background. I was a power lifter myself, um, and I was dealing with a lot of on and off injuries and one that set me back more than the others and had me just rethinking and reevaluating my approach to physicality and what I wanted to get out of that and how I wanted to help other people. So it all kind of started from my own journey and, of course, trying to understand flexibility for a lot of people, it's kind of like a mystery. Like if you don't get yourself kind of down that rabbit hole far enough, you, you end up assuming a lot of these myths, like it's just a genetic trait or um, something you're born with or 
Uh, it's kind of like a useless um, attribute. Uh, so there's a lot we really don't know about flexibility and that's where my journey led me and it all came back around to really just better understanding strength applications for improving ROM versus strength applications for just getting strong. So um, that's kind of how my philosophies were developed from that journey. And uh, I would even say like uh, a lot of the powerlifting uh, work that I had gotten into over the years definitely came back around when I started making all of these connections to how one should train for range. And uh, a lot of those practices have been kind of brought back into my philosophies and, and methods for training flexibility. Um, I, I tell a lot of people it's kind of uh, reverse strength training is a good way to put it because traditional strength training begins with your hardest component and you got to put all your energy towards that. Uh, whereas reverse strength training is about training in a way that moves you towards better ROM. So your main element isn't kind of the starting component to your training, but rather the end result of the session. So uh, I feel like my journey has been able to connect with people like yourself and people that kind of have more of this traditional strength training um, background, uh, where we can actually start understanding that there's there's just a better way to train strength for the long term. And as we want to diversify ourselves, and I know you're into jujitsu, that's the martial arts is kind of like your specialty. So you certainly probably see um, the connections to being strong in vulnerable positions and uh, just being a stronger human overall. Yeah. You know, um, I, I grew up, um, you know, I just loved powerlifting as well as martial arts. And I remember when I was 18 or 19 years old, I'm like, Hmm, if I put two 10 pound plates under my heels, I could go a lot lower. And I like the way this feels. And some old ass guy with a bunch of injuries, shoulder, knee wraps, everything. Hey, hey, kid, <laughs> what are you doing? That's, that, that's shitty form. Take those 10 pound weights off from under your heels. And me being a kid, just listen to him. But yeah. now that I'm seeing all this new stuff, especially knees over toes guy, I'm pretty sure you know him. Yep. I'm like, oh, I was, I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts on like knees over toes guy, barefoot sprinter, cross training, all, all, all those guys? Uh, I had spent some time um, a few years ago uh, working closer with Ben. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, a part of that evolution of just coming up with a system for knees that, you know, incorporated some of these philosophies of mm -hmm. training through full ROM. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, seeing that evolve and, you know, seeing it kind of bring more attention and awareness to, you know, the necessity of being strong in these positions where we've previously been told not to be. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. And, and what you can really come down to thinking with regards to that is it's easier to tell everyone to avoid something as a collective than it is to spend time trying to find these solutions for people. So if someone's knees hurt, just don't put your knees over your toes. You know, yeah. if someone's back hurts, it's like, don't round your back. So, you know, it's the research has come full circle and there wasn't even enough evidence to begin with to say that these things were bad. But coming back around full circle, we know that we are a very robust um, body that can adapt to many different scenarios. And we just need to learn how that looks and feels in a training system where it makes sense for the collective where we can move towards those kind of training goals and uh, feel like we're, I think for the most part, what I deal with, with, with individuals looking to improve flexibility is they just don't know what the hell they're working for. And I think most of us, when we get into training, we need to have a goal. We need to yeah. know why we're doing it. It's like, that's why people like running marathons. That's why they like powerlifting, yes. uh, training for jujitsu. And one of the things I've spent the most amount of time doing in the past 10 years has been trying to identify measurability for beginners. Because if you look at the spectrum, you basically have this group on one end that has zero range. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And they have a group on the other end that has this advanced range where they're in splits. So it's kind of like this big gap okay, well, maybe I'll do yoga. And then you do yoga and you realize you actually need flexibility to do yoga. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, I, I did that. And then you start doing splits programs, which I do think on the right splits program, you'll probably learn more 
about flexibility training than any other approach because you are working towards measurable targets if that's laid out correctly for you. Yeah. But that's what most people need. They just need to know, okay, if I'm going to improve my flexibility, I need to know what kind of targets I should be hitting along the way. Um, I did a podcast called The Basics mm-hmm. an episode. I don't know if you heard that one, but I recommend jumping into it because I broke down a lot of these just flexibility attributes that most of us can train towards. Um, and that, I think that's where a lot of the gap is missing for people. It's like training to be healthy, um, of course, is a, is a primary goal. Like you just should, if you're not exercising, like that's step one, let's build some habits towards being more fit. If you're limited by your range of motion to get fit or to aspire to the goals that you are working towards, then we need to figure that out. You need to figure out what you'd be working towards to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, a little story I have with that is from the time I was 15 years old, when I do any type of push movement like bench press or overhead press, my elbows, they pop. So I'm like, oh, all right, I have tendonitis. I have to wrap up my elbows when I do it. But then I started doing the uh, skull crushers, the overhead uh, tricep raises with like five pounds. Then I increased it to 10, then 15, then 20 and then I noticed a lot of the popping went away. And right. now my bench press, my push-ups, and my overhead press all increased because I decided to work on that foundation with lighter weights. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, um, I don't know if you want to talk about it because it's, it's, you know, people pay for it. But what does a typical program that you write look like? For example, what would your splits program look like? Because I was looking on your website and I'm like, hmm. I wonder, I wonder what this is. And if, yeah, you know, like I was interested, like if I could get a little bit more of a, um, explanation of what it entails. For sure. There's a couple different approaches to training splits as well. So Mm -hmm. the, the client base I've worked with is looking either to just go hard in splits and invest all the time into that, which is, that's great. That's easy because that's your best avenue for splits is creating, Mm -hmm. Not to say that you can't train other variables or have other components in your training, but if you dedicate certain training days just to splits, you can make a lot of progress, uh, especially if it's laid out accordingly. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's integrated approaches as well. And the most popular integrated approach that I've used for that is the squats and splits template. Because mm-hmm. I specialize in teaching squats, that's one of my areas of strength. Um, so I've actually presented that model, which a lot of people have enjoyed because you're basically taking that lower body session and involving it, evolving it into uh, a more advanced approach to training flexibility. So you're training your squats and then that squat session just kind of moves itself into strength training towards splits. Interesting. So you can kind of think of your accessory work, like most traditional uh, strength training templates have your, you know, squat work first, accessory work second. Yeah. Your accessory work just evolves into strength work that leads towards splits. So it's a cool presentation. It's probably one of my favorites. And I always go back to that myself. Um, but yeah, basically those are the two approaches you're looking at is either uh, a session on its own where you can have dedicate time to it. Uh, and really, I think it's important if you're going to get into flexibility training is just to like create the space to experience it rather than kind of rush through it and have it as this kind of secondary tertiary thing. Um, so, you know, there's a few different approaches to it, but I, what I do like about the integrated model is like one, when you're first exposing yourself to this style of training, you don't feel like you're completely abandoning your traditional approach to strength work. Interesting. So, so it's an easy transition for a lot of people, but also once you've kind of segued back into like the more isolated work, you can come back to the integrated model. Um, so it's, I think one of the better ways to present it. Um, and that's what most people are looking for. Most people are looking for a solution. Like what's the least amount of work for the most amount of gain that I can do. And, uh, my presentation is always heavily based around that. The basics program is uh, two lower body and two upper body sessions per week that take you about 30 minutes. Oh, wow. So, so, yeah, most, and that's the thing. Anyway, you don't want to like, 
I'm never of the mindset to like knock someone completely off of their path and say like, you know, abandon everything. And this is the only way to do it. It's like, no, like let's start building some better habits towards flexibility. Let's actually, you know, start dedicating a little bit of time to it and understand that it's a different approach to it um, can have a, a great result. So uh, a lot of people I think are surprised too, when they get into that range of strength style work, we don't do as much stretching as you would think, even though stretching is a foundational piece to it. Hmm. But in my experience, most people don't have the capacity to stretch until they've done some conditioning, like someone who's quite restricted in their range to just have them sit down and perform a stretch. It's probably not going to be very accessible to them and it's not going to be as enjoyable. Whereas if you kind of condition yourself a little bit before getting into the stretch, we can create a more uh, optimal space to be in to then explore this new range and actually feel like we're getting some benefit out of this new stretch position. Interesting. So, um, you know, so pretty much taking, taking 10 minutes after you work out to just stretch a little bit, isn't going to really do much for you. Then you really got to add it into your workout regimen is what you're trying to say. Yeah, it could do a lot for you. If your if your workout was, um, moving you towards what was happening in those 10 minutes, mm, if that okay. makes sense. So it's like, strength training can be designed to improve your flexibility yeah and if we're if we're going to move towards um you know flexibility focused targets like it's just how people stretch it's like okay if i train squats i'm going to stretch my quads and hammies after my hips or whatever just because i guess i train squats it's like yeah well if we're going to actually try to improve flexibility and and move towards these measurable targets well then these are the strength movements we're going to do. And then these are the, the flexibility kind of stretching exercises we're going to do in those 10 minutes. So it actually is quite similar to, uh, I guess like the, the guidelines of training where it's like, you know, warm up and then strength train and then stretch. It's like pretty similar actually. And it doesn't, um, have to be much different than that. It's just the selection and the approach to that. Uh, and then knowing what you're actually working towards. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, how, how long would you say it has taken your clients typically to reach like a full middle or, or, um, uh, what is it? The middle and front split front splits tend to come more naturally to people because it's a more dominant plane of movement. Mm -hmm. So if you think about the sagittal plane forward and back, most of us, uh, have a lot of accessible range already stored in that because it's our most used plane. Yeah, with walking. Uh, yeah, like anything like that. And most people can find themselves within a 12 to 18 month time frame to hit a pretty nice front split or wow. to make a lot of progress in it. Uh, middles where it's, it is just very untrained and it is a, a lot harder to get strong in those smaller muscle groups. Yeah. Uh, you're usually looking at more of like a two to three year time frame. Oh, wow. Uh, because like you want to hit it in such a way that you're strong in it. And that's my opinion, right? Like if I was to, if I was able to kind of forcefully try to get someone to improve a lot of ROM in their side split, like how do I know that that's something that they own and that they'll be able to access a lot easier uh, in certain scenarios. So I think that's the mindset you want to be in when it comes to improving big positions like that is like, Sure, you might be able to do some kind of like 12 week thing and make a lot of progress, but what are we actually trying to do here? Uh, we we want to own this range of motion and feel like it's something we've actually built strength in for the long term. I was talking about that yesterday in my stories because one of my clients just recently got off holiday and they're returning back to side split training and just feeling like, oh, geez, you know, like uh, I feel like I haven't done this in a while. And certainly that's the case. It's a It's a big range of motion to get into. But once you've obtain, obtained a high level of flexibility in the splits, it's pretty maintainable with a small amount of work. So oh, wow. myself, myself currently, I train my splits uh, once every two weeks. Really? So, what? Oh, wow. Uh, and I can access those positions pretty cold, too. So it's like the amount of work I do in those uh, sessions is more so just to ensure that I'm keeping my strength there. But even today I shared in my, my Instagram story, I, I basically did my conditioning work on the bike and then I slid down into my fronts just to, so like, you know, I, it's and pretty you accessible. Full, you could do a front, you could do a full front and a full middle split, right? 
my middle right now, I have to, I, I can do it cold, but I'm going to be sitting in that cold position for a little bit before I get full contact. Uh-huh. Um, but my fronts, I can just scoot right down in it. Pancake, I have to get my hips opened a little bit in rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's quite, that's the, the nice part about it. When you do it right, you maintain your flexibility and then you just, you can get back to, I guess, more of a traditional approach to strength training, but you'll, you'll have a lot of those layers involved where, you know, you're still uh, maintaining a lot of that strength that you had worked towards. So you may not be doing splits a lot, but some of those strength exercises that led you towards splits, like the horse stance, for example, looks like mm-hmm. a sumo stance, yeah. deadlift, uh, the long lunge position, like these types of movements can help you maintain a high level of strength in your, in your splits and your flexibility. Interesting. Um, so, you know, me, me being the idiot that I am, I'm like, all right, you know, I want to get good at splits. I'm going to do, do the split machine every day. Five minutes, <laughs> yeah. you know that? I never use that. Oh like, yeah. I, know a lot I, of I went on have. Facebook marketplace and I, I bought one and I'm like, all right, this is, this is going to be so easy. I'm going to do it five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. And, um, and I saw some progress, but I kept injuring my inner knee. I don't know if that's your PCL or what, but I was just strengthening. I was making my legs more flexible without making them stronger. And I kept popping that inner knee. And I'm like, you know what? Splits just aren't going to happen for me. Then I realized, you know, your message is, no, man, you have to be strong in those positions or else you're going to get injured all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't do a lot of, if we're training to make a change, in the t- connective tissue, it's like a lot of, there's not a lot of passive relaxed stretching involved in that. And there's a similar process of like recovering from sessions. If we are using some passive inputs, it's more for like just some recovery work, you know, between sessions where we're feeling like we're reducing some tissue stiffness. But if you've done a good flexibility session, like maybe towards splits, it kind of should feel similar to like, I nailed my lower body yesterday, so I need to take a few days off to recover. Um, and you kind of feel like you're progressing in that manner as well. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be checking your max range all the time. It's like checking your max squat all the time, right? Wow. So if you were cranking on a machine and, and putting yourself in this maxed position all the time, it would just be kind of like, yeah, pulling on the tissue and the tendons in, in a way where they haven't recovered and adapted to that position. Um so I try to relate a lot back to how we approach traditional strength training, like the deadlift where, you know, even find success doing it biweekly because you need that much time to re- recover. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, a hard part for people to comprehend when starting flexibility and starting it in a manner where we're actually going to try to induce change in the tissue where you, you have like cold flexibility gains. Um, it's going to require obviously consistency, more chronic uh, stretching, like you want to be really consistent with it and then just knowing how to actually move to thresholds uh how does that actually progress and how do we periodize that in a way where it makes sense for our bodies to recover and adapt yeah um you know one one thing that you pointed out um that's very important uh about recovery and stretching i'll never forget uh, I made the stupid decision to, uh, in 2018, I'm like, yeah, I want to try to be a personal trainer. So I'm going to go to Equinox and they make you do do this two week, uh, you know, this two week, you know, training and in it, it goes, yeah, stretching is just your brain telling your muscles. You can't go further than this. If you could just turn that off, you could, you could, you could flex your muscles however long you want. So pretty much telling us that stretching is 100% neural and Mm. I'm sitting there and I'm like, who is this person teaching us this? Where's the scientific (laughs) evidence? This makes no fucking sense at all. Then I saw you post like last week, like pretty much shaking your head about stretching is not neural. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I really wanted to dig deep into this episode because a lot of people think stretching is neural when in fact it's very much physical. It is in the early stages, and that's where the the evidence does suggest that. I think it's like the first eight weeks suggests that it's only neural. Mm -hmm. And I think like anything too, right, we have to consistently do it to see the long-term change. Exactly. So um, the body hasn't had a chance to adapt. 
the body hasn't had a chance to uh, get stronger in these new ranges of motion. So it kind of result re- reverts back to its its original uh, range. We ca- mm-hmm. call that the operating range versus the training range. You can get yourself like the goal of a flexibility session is to get yourself into a training range. The training range is a range of motion that we don't access all the time. Mm-hmm. If we use the right tools to get into this range, now we're going to start using the right tools to strengthen that within the session. And then after the session, it's just like strength training. The body just tightens up, has to recover. And as we get better at that and stronger in that training range, that slowly becomes our operating range. Uh, learning how to stretch is a whole different thing because there is the stretch reflex that we have to consider. Uh, so it's kind of like the body's way of saying, um, doesn't want you to move into this position. We, we need to learn how to override that. Uh, we need to learn how to apply proper protocols, which PNF is essentially the primary protocol in a stretch like isometric stretching contract relax pails and rails it's pretty much all the same shit we're just learning to be in a stretch and as we relax deeper we're learning to create isometric contractions to create an effect to allow us to do so so the the neural thing is there is evidence that suggests it's neural but it's only within that early time frame, which the unfortunate thing is that most of the research on flexibility is usually limited to approximately eight to 12 weeks. So like, you can only imagine like the kind of results you're getting from that aren't going to be vindictive of like long-term results. Like um, if we were to do this for a lot longer. So there is like flexibility research. I don't know if you've followed him I, I i share a lot of his work he's one of my mentors dan van zandt uh-huh. he, he does a lot of the back work on uh presenting all of the research that shows how and when it works and you know some of these other things that aren't looked at as much because for the most part the research is usually um conducted in a way where they're trying to find the um least amount that we need to do to create a result or an effect and Usually that's in an athletic setting uh, where, you know, you see it being used in a warm up or as a cool down. It's not really used to say, let's see what happens if we try to improve flexibility for the long term. Interesting. Uh, and the Instagram page is flexibility research, you said? Yep. Awesome. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say about uh, just to explain PNF to the audience in case they're confused. You know, you put your hamstrings in a stretched position. If you add resistance to that and then relax, your hamstrings are going to automatically right away. The range of motion is going to increase. But you don't want to do that too hard because you could hurt yourself. But it's a real thing. Do you know what PNF stands for by any chance? Because I don't. Uh, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Okay. Um, and it's it's the most researched type. Um crack method is uh, contract, relax, agonist contract. And the reason I like using uh, the crack method more is mm-hmm. because it explains that we're trying to work contractions on both sides of the joint. And where we can look to why that's important is the effects of what's called reciprocal inhibition. Mm-hmm. And reciprocal inhibition is when a contraction on the shortening side of the, the muscle relaxes the tissue on the opposing side, which you would even see in a strength movement like a bicep curl. So mm-hmm. as I perform a, a curl and I shorten the bicep, the tissue on the opposite side, the triceps, then uh, f- learn to relax as they move into that end range. So stretching is very similar to that kind of approach too, where we're, we're thinking about how we contract both sides of the joint to relax the muscles that's being stretched to find ways to get deeper and strengthen that range. So this applies to all muscles pretty much, right? So quads and the hamstrings. Yep. Support for Rambling with Rack is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code RAK, RAK, at manscaped.com. 
And if my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Guys, Manscaped has truly changed my life. Y'all know Middle Eastern men. We got some serious, dense forestry down there. I have tried everything. I've tried the over-the-counter buzzers. I have tried straight razors. I have tried regular razors. And nothing has made manscaping easier than Manscaped. All right, guys. So the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived. And oh, man, is it a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Guys, the ball deodorant, all right? Let's say you're on your last set of leg press at the gym and your girl hits you up, says, what are you doing? You don't have time to take a shower. You just take a quick little um, whiff of that ball deodorant, wipe down there, and head over to her house. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer is a future of grooming, and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a waterproof and also has 400K LED spotlight you need for more precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. Guys, as an Iranian man, I could attest to you that when using a regular buzzer, uh, if you go to my bathroom floor, it literally looks like you just entered the Amazon rainforest. So having the trimmer right now has made my job so much easier. You thought that was good. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with code word RAK, R-A-K. Get 20% off free shipping with the code R-A-K at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code word R-A-K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Back and yep. chest. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then as you get into the hips and sh certain shoulder positions, it can be a little more complex. Like the hips are rotators and some of the muscles uh, in the hips, like the piriformis is an internal and external rotator. Mm -hmm. So depending on the type of position you're in, you can learn to navigate contractions in such a way that you can relax deeper into like, for example, a pancake split. Mm -hmm. A pancake split is cool to uh, spend time trying to understand because it, it presents all these different opportunities to get deeper into the position, both with how the trunk moves forward and how the hips and adductors and abductors all kind of negotiate this range of motion we're trying to get into. Yeah. Um, about about the uh the pancake split like you said you know one type of split is um you know primarily your hips some is you know the groin muscles i know a lot of people they can do a pancake split but they can't do a middle split and you yes. would think it looks kind of the sim like the same thing but it really is not two totally no. different two totally different things right yeah like the middle split is going to put the most amount of force and tension on the adductors just with you know the gravitational mm -hmm. force of the body being in that vertical position pushing down mm -hmm. um, and the adductor muscles being you know how untrained or even the size that they are mm -hmm. really need a lot of time to cr create strength and we need to learn how to use the hips and side split as well too which is i always say splits need hips because ah. I think pe people always uh kind of just forego the thought of like what are my hips actually doing when i start to abduct and open the legs into a wider position hmm. pancake split 
now we're we're hinging forward and we're bringing the hamstrings into the picture um and there's components of flexibility of the trunk that pull us forward and deeper so there's so many other variables involved there that it is also a good target for middle split because you can only imagine like if you can hit a pancake split and start creating more width at the legs and getting them wider and what would be just called a straddle fold mm -hmm. so a straddle fold and a pancake fold are different where it's just like adductors and external rotators legs are super wide mm -hmm. you can kind of start improving the uh, range of motion required to be in a side split so i like to just have them all working towards some kind of target but the, the pancake and side split work well together in a session too where the adductors are in such demand and your hip rotators are involved so um yeah there's I love this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, so I want to ask, so what, what has your journey been like education wise with the fitness? Um, you know, other than purchasing your program, what are some other ways people could um, access, you know, higher learning on this? What books would you recommend other than maybe like supple leopard? Yeah. <laughs> um, Stretching Scientifically by Thomas Kurz. Mm -hmm. is pretty much a staple for anyone that wants to learn really core fundamentals of training flexibility. Mm -hmm. And the first, the first edition is like the most raw and he really puts all of like his own experiences and everything in it. And then it was re-editioned a few times and they had to take a few things out. But um, that would be one that I would definitely have if I was looking to get a little deeper into this. Uh -huh. uh, Kit Lachlan, he was on my journey, like really the, the first time I started connecting the dots to like improving flexibility for adults. Mm -hmm. Like he, he really has dedicated a life to presenting flexibility for adults who have really restricted ranges of motion. So anything from Kit, uh, he has a lot, he's done a lot of work on uh, low back pain and, uh, you know, how to negotiate and deal with that. Um, David Bem, he's probably the most dedicated researcher to How flexibility. How do you spell that? David B E B E M B E H M B E H M. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he's got stretching and exercise physiology texts that I reference a lot, where he shares a lot of the research. And he's not biased to just flexibility; like he shares, like you know, when. The research has said it's not best in this scenario he kind of shares the why and like how you would actually use it in a different scenario he he does a really good job at keeping flexibility on the forefront mm -hmm. and like i think it's when you come to realize that flexibility is literally everything There's yeah like the separation of flexibility and strength they're they're one and the same and when you start actually going through the the literature where flexibility is defined in these certain categories dynamic active flexibility is strength training yeah so a movement that moves you through a full rom and back under load or without load is considered a dynamic flexibility exercise yeah Whether it's a squat a bench press a shoulder press or whatever and then when you start putting those pieces together and seeing like oh i mean well everything is a flexibility movement in some way shape or form it doesn't make any sense for us to create any separation with it and that's yeah. when you can start developing better systems around it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so you know, let's say I'm an athlete, martial arts, etc., and I wanted to start your program. Could you give us an idea of how that works? Is it do you have like twelve weeks, six months, etc.? Do you do you do Zoom calls, or is it just like a PDF format that we read and we just start ourselves? Uh, what I've done with the coaching membership is what I have set up right now. It gives members that sign up access to a training app where the programming is attached to your calendar so you can receive form coaching and uh, two-way messaging. So we can kind of go back and forth and talk about the session, the questions you have, and I can form review certain exercises that you need help with. There's also a learning section um, I have set up where you can go through the content and see how programs are developed some of the training principles behind a lot of the things that I do. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's basically the uh, main 
uh, selling feature that I have right now is the coaching membership. So the programming, I, I flexibility programming, I, I do in six week blocks. So not a lot has to change in terms of what we're doing with flexibility, but we have to learn how to move towards the training threshold to induce those changes that we were talking about earlier. Most programming is done in 12 week uh, training cycles. So after 12 week periods, there's an assessment to see how you're doing. Uh, and then there's customized programming available beyond that. That's where you get into phone calls and like personal kind of stuff. Okay. That sounds interesting. Cause you know, it would work well for me because my training split currently is what you said. I do two days of upper body, two days of lower body. And yeah. I can see myself adding, you know, weighted flexibility workouts because for me to just sit there for an hour and stretch, it's a freaking nightmare. I am way too hyperactive <laughs> to be able to do that. You know what I mean? I was too, for sure. And that's kind of, and I, I spent the time to do that. Cause I think, you know, you, you got to spend the time in those areas to figure out, okay, how would I present this in a different way or whatnot? And, um, that's where most of us are with the barriers created is that flexibility is this complete separate thing from training. And that's why most people don't do it because they just don't have friggin' time. And, uh, that's where the strength approach to it, this, the way I've kind of systemized it so that it can be integrated in current uh, strength training uh, regiments is mm-hmm. is a better way for most people and it's you're better doing finding at least some kind of way to start than not starting at all so even if this was a starting point and you made some progress where we then could evaluate how much harder we should train specifically for flexibility to move you towards whatever those goals were at least we actually started and that's more important than going all in at the start Exactly. Yeah, because I know a lot of people, especially me being a gym owner, I see a lot of people, they come in, they go all in at the start, and then after a few weeks, they give up because... They get burnt out. Yeah, yeah, they're not there for the long haul. You know, they just want those quick results, and, you know, usually in life, that doesn't really happen. No, exactly. I mean, that's what we're really trying to do is create better habits for the long term, and I see flexibility training however it's conducted as something that you can do for the rest of your life. Um, even if it evolves into more of just like a static stretching approach to training, it's going to mm-hmm. keep you physically active and creating that strong mindset towards better physicality. And I think that's most important. Interesting. Um, so as far as your own education, books, etc., did you ever train under someone like were you did you have a mentor were you a protege or someone or did you mostly read books and kind of make your own system so i went to school for exercise science mm-hmm. and you know that kind of background has obviously always been a part of everything i'm kind of working towards and doing um, mm-hmm. i mentioned dan van zant already he's mm-hmm. he's been a mentor i've been following him for a long time and he actually has a master flexibility course trainer course now that i was one of the first people that went through his course mm-hmm. um, kit lachlan i found kit lachlan through some flexibility um, classes i did with gymnastic bodies is what it was called i think it's mm-hmm. still called that kit was the developer of that and i basically went that direction and went all in with kit lachlan mm-hmm. um, went through all of his work and i've worked with emmett lewis um, i've gone through all of emmett's work um, he's a close friend of mine now. We do a podcast called Fellowship of the Range with uh, my other friend, Jeffrey Wolf. Uh, Fellowship and, of the Range? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, those have been the biggest mentors for me with regards to flexibility-specific training. And um, I have a, a dedicated background in powerlifting. So I've trained at like world champion gyms. Prince Edward Island. I'm in Nova Scotia, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I trained out of there for a couple of years and there was at the time, uh, five world champions training out of that little garage gym we were at. And so, wow. you know, there's a big background in the strength side of it as well. I've gone very hard in that Avenue. Um, 10 years working as a military physical trainer, uh, oh, wow. prior, prior to range of strength. So, I mean, that's, you know, 20 years coaching, <laughs> It's, wow. it's been a long game. It's had some diversity to it, but 
I primarily help people restore their flexibility so they can keep doing the things they love doing now. That's my big, my big uh, problem to solve. Interesting. You know, um, what I, what I noticed was a little different about your page than the others. A lot of people are talking about shoulders, hips, knees, etc. But I noticed you're pretty passionate about back bridges. Um, yeah. What, what got you into that? Because, you know, I'm a jujitsu guy and to get out of bottom positions, you must do a back bridge. When I was 15 years old, I could do a full back bridge. And then over the years, I just lost the ability to do that. So I've been slowly trying to get it back, <laughs> but I'm just uh, interested in knowing, you know, someone who doesn't do martial arts, like what the passion is to get good at the back bridge. Well, the back bridge is a shape. And uh-huh. one of the things I've, I've tried to do with that basic introduction to flexibility is identify like, what are the movements that basically give us these great ranges of motion or these great strengths and range that we just don't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, folding down to touch the toes. Uh, yeah. What's up guys. This podcast is now sponsored by express VPN. Sending data over an unencrypted internet connection is like sending a postcard. Your message is wide open for the mailman and any of those other nosy people to see. Whether you're connected to an unencrypted internet network on your phone, computer, tablet, TV, etc., if you're sending countless pieces of information into the digital world that can be seen and intercepted by many different parties before they get to your intended destinations. Guys, go to expressvpn.com slash R-A-K for three months and a discount if you use my code. I will leave the link in the description. But a VPN or virtual private network creates a secure tunnel between your device and the internet. In other words, it puts an envelope around your postcard so no one could sneak a peek at your private correspondence. ExpressVPN protects you from hackers who try to steal your private information. Every time you connect to an unencrypted Wi-Fi network at airport, hotels, coffee shops, or even at home, you're at risk. A hacker connected to the same unencrypted Wi-Fi network can steal your personal info. With only basic computer knowledge, the hacker could even gain access to your passwords, financial details, or even your emails. ExpressVPN encrypts your internet connection using the highest standard of encryption currently available. If you'd like to take a hacker with a supercomputer billions of years to crack. Guys, I will not name what countries I've been to because I don't want to get killed, but I've been to some countries where Instagram, Facebook, social media is completely blocked by a firewall. And the only way you could view those things is a VPN. And thank God I had ExpressVPN on my visits and it made everything easy. I like to use DraftKings, which is a sports betting app. And if I'm not in New Jersey, it says, oops, not in New Jersey, you can't bet. But guess what? ExpressVPN, baby. I say, guess what, guys? I am in New Jersey, and I put my bets in. Another thing I like to do with ExpressVPN, let's say you're watching a YouTube video and it says not available in your country or song not available in your country. Guess what? I'm going to make my VPN in whatever country I got to be to listen. If you're trying to get married to someone rich overseas, um, put your VPN in New York City, even though you live in Timbuktu, get matched with someone, uh, fall in love, and move over there. All right? Your internet service provider can see everything you do. Us ISPs can legally sell your data to ad companies. UK and Australian ICPs are required to keep logs of websites you visit. The apps are used in the private conversations you have for one to two years. Governments, large corporations, websites constantly survey you and harvest your data for their own agendas. ExpressVPN puts a stop to that by encrypting all your data and hiding your location. Hey guys, ever um, have a conversation with your friends about something and the next thing you know, you're getting an ad? Yep, that's right. When you let your microphone um, give your microphone access to whatever app you're on, they could listen to whatever you're saying. You want to stop that? ExpressVPN, baby. ExpressVPN gives you unrestricted aspect, as, um, access to all parts of the internet, 
Many websites or apps are blocked or, or restricted depending on where you are in the world. Certain countries even censor the internet and don't let you access websites freely. Think of a YouTube video you weren't able to watch, a website you couldn't visit, or a sports match you were unable to stream. What about stuff that's cheaper in other countries like Spotify subscriptions, flight tickets, online games? ExpressVPN allows you to reroute your connection to a server in a country of your choice, making geo restrictions a thing of the past. All right, guys, uh, I hope you end up using uh, ExpressVPN. They're sponsoring the podcast. I'm going to put a link in the description. If you don't want to look at the link, it's expressvpn.com slash R-A-K. That is expressvpn.com slash R-A-K. Hope you guys use it. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bending the back. Like, why is why is the back bend bad? It's bad because we don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Understanding the layers involved in that hip extension of the hips, extension of the spine, all of these things, the flexibility of your abdominal wall, your, your actual trunk. Knowing how to train those things, I would say, are even more important than just doing a back bridge. And that's where I think a lot of people miss the boat is they see a back bridge and they think, well, I can't do that. It's like, well, what is involved in that shape? So when you think about that, it's like, oh, okay, well, I could train back extension or uh, spinal extension. I could learn how to do that. One of the exercises I present is the reverse Jefferson curl. Reverse Everyone, Jefferson curl. Oh, wow. Okay. Trying well, to imagine you, that. <laughs> well, if you think about the Jefferson curl, everyone's excited. Oh, you can bend the spine. It's not bad. It's like, yeah. but what about the other way? Yeah. No one's talking about that. No one, no one ever said, okay, well, and how to do that is just to imagine standing face to the wall and peeling yourself off the wall you don't have to go very far but you learn spinal extension okay so so like you would have to you would have to you would have to put something against the back to to touch right for that to work so like not really say, just I'm against the wall and i put a box behind me and i try to touch the box you could do it but it's it becomes more unsafe that's why you doing it from a kneeling position may be a bit safer if you wanted to explore the depths of it um, okay isn't that isn't that also called a reverse nordic the reverse nordic would be more stiff body whereas okay. this would be more ex accentuating the extension of the spine so like okay. a, like really learning to bend got it um, so yeah there's lots of ways again it's just like looking at the shape and being like well maybe like i don't train my bridge as hard as i used to right now because i'm working <laughs> on other goals but i keep the mm -hmm. layers in there so I'm working on my T-spine extension work. I'm working on my uh, back extension, my hip extension in a way that it is expressed as it would be in a back bridge. Interesting. So but, that's, I think, the key, right? Yeah. So, so the starting position, though, the starting position is the same. Knees on the ground, going back. One of them, you're stiff. One of them, your back is more uh, trying to bend into that bridge position, right? Uh, with the reverse Nordic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, and the best way to do that is to, again, face the wall and think about peeling the head and chest and then abdominal wall first before leaning into your quads. So you can actually start thinking about how the spine moves back and rather than just going right into the legs. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. You know, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to definitely try to start giving that a shot. I've been doing uh, Nordics and my my regular nordics and my hamstrings have never felt better my knees have never felt better but i'm definitely going to start doing the back bends more yeah um, yeah i wanted to ask you so we went over the splits we went over the front splits oh as far as shoulders you know i, I was listening to the joe rogan podcast and he told me something that really helped his shoulders was just hanging from a bar yeah. So I started doing that like a minute, two minutes a day, and I noticed a drastic improvement in my shoulder health. Yeah. As far as shoulder flexibility and that type of range of motion, what would you say some of your favorite uh, movements are? I do like hanging as well. That's mm -hmm. part of the basics is like just understanding how to hang again because there's complexity that can be built off of it. And it's cool that you can actually progress hanging strength. So it, it creates a nice progression for people with flexibility. But the big one for me is actually just understanding how the scapula moves. Like a lot of people don't understand uh, what we would call protraction, where mm -hmm. the shoulders move forward 
and they don't understand that strength. And oftentimes people avoid certain positions because they've been told, oh, you need to sit with your shoulders back and your chest yep. out. Yeah. And a lot of people get stuck in these postures where we want to start learning how to actually move the scapula around the rib cage. There's upward rotation. There's all this range that just isn't being trained. Like when we raise the arm overhead, do we actually fully elevate the shoulder? Like, do we understand how that works and feels? And a lot of times these impingements and things that happen in the shoulder, just because we aren't using that range of motion that's actually available. So basics, like for me, it's just the basics of learning how to actually retract the shoulders, uh, protract the shoulders, shoulder extension is very weak and untrained in most people. And that's when the arms go behind the body. So uh -huh. there's a lot of low hanging fruit in just getting someone's shoulder extension up because it's a very untrained un unutilized uh, range of motion. But yep. um, those are the big ones for me is like, if I'm going to choose pressing movements, I want to make sure that it um, exudes or expresses full uh, movement of the scapula and, and ensuring that that person actually knows how to do that rather mm -hmm. than just hammering a barbell or, or whatever to, to make certain, certain gains. Yeah. Um, some, some, um, some things I could add to that are, you know, growing up, all your lifting coaches and personal trainers tell you, keep your back straight. Don't yeah. protract your shoulders when you do rows, keep them stiff. And, <laughs> and then I noticed your scapula gets super weak. So yep. lately, I've been fully protracting my shoulder when I do my rows. Good. Fully pulling it back. And I noticed yep. not only has it made me stronger in jujitsu, it's helped a lot of my moves in jujitsu, especially with arm drags and snap downs. Yeah. Um, another one is overhead press. You know, I would yep. do overhead press and I noticed I would lightweight, not, not, not even heavyweight, my lower back would just hurt all the time. And that's because my lower back was just compensating for the lack of flexibility in my shoulders. So once I started fixing that, then I stopped getting the lower back pain. Hello? Can you hear me? Uh, you hear me? Yeah, you, you went out for about like 20 seconds. Uh, did you say anything? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, the lats wrap around the rib cage. And a lot of people don't know that is like when we start protracting and learning how to rotate properly with that protraction, we can actually get the lats moving through its fullest function through mm -hmm. all that range of motion that we're not training in, which improves shoulder mobility. Uh, and a lot of people don't train their arms like in different positions. So if I'm training my arms behind the body, in front of my body, overhead uh, cable type movements, you're getting these distal strengths from just putting your arm in a different position and, and training it um, that can improve your range of motion as well so it's it's when you look at a program it's just selecting movements and positions in a manner that's going to move someone towards better range of motion in the upper body and i think that's where a lot of people don't make those connections they just want to get a pump and want to get big <laughs> you know and it's like well you can still do that you just got to select the right movements that will do that and improve your flexibility yeah, because at the end of the day, um, if you're not training at range of motion, it could result in certain injuries. And that was, was going to be my next question to you. What are some big injuries you've suffered and how did you heal them? Well, growing up in sports and athletics, you know, you always just kind of run into little war wounds and stuff. But I did blow my ACL out in rugby when I was oh, 18. Wow. And I never had that repaired. So I don't have anterior crucial ligament right now in my knee. Um, my bicep ruptured, um, that was a big one that set me back and had me going down that journey to actually start taking care of my flexibility. How did that happen? Uh, that was in a powerlifting contest. Deadlifting probably? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that happened. Um, I had a quad strain on my left side, uh, tore my rhomboid on my right side. Rhomboid uh, is your trap, right? Yep, so it's like a lower trap kind of area. Okay. Uh, broke my uh, knuckle and my hand. So How I've had like happen? a lot of uh, just kind of silly things, being oh, young and, and silly. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like a lot, a lot of these, I did a post about that, like a uh, real, real, uh, what is it called? Pain-free or pain freedom and stuff? Or what, uh -huh. what is it? 
people bulletproofing bulletproofing yeah, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. I did a post about being bulletproof. How to really become bulletproof is to know how to work through these things and know that, you know, we're going to get recover at some stage and, and be able to build back up. And it's not necessarily finding one key thing. And a lot of people get set back with, you know, oh, well, I got injured. I need to find this one solution that will make this go away forever. And it's like, well, sometimes it doesn't go away but it just presents itself in different ways and you just need to know how to manage it. If you get little inflammations or little things from, you know, like it may be easy for us cause we're athletic and we pursue those things on a regular basis. It's kind of bred into us. But for someone who's non athletic, if they deal with shoulder symptoms for the, the long haul, because they really hurt themselves at one stage and they don't know how to manage it, then they always feel like they don't have an answer. So, I think being up front and saying, you know what, like some severe injuries sometimes will always carry some type of symptoms or pain that needs to be managed. And it's just more about your uh, relationship with pain and how you actually learn to manage that. It's more important than trying to find a, a quick fix or something that's going to make it go away. Yeah. And uh, a big, a big difference. Um, a big thing you mentioned is the managing your pain. Um, it's very hard for a lot of people to understand the difference between good pain and la- and bad pain. Yeah. If you're doing a shit ton of reps and you're getting the burn and the lactic acid, that's cool. Yeah. But if you're getting that stabbing feeling where you feel like you're getting stabbed, that's nerve pain. Probably not yeah. a good idea to do that. You know? Yeah. yeah. And like even someone sometimes gets sore from a workout and they're not used to it and they think, Oh, I've hurt myself. It's like, no, it's, it's okay yes. that you get sore. <laughs> this is how you, you work through it. So, you know, as long I think being more upfront with people about these things will help them in the long haul. And there's still a large population that want to look for some kind of solution that will make it never happen again when we can never dictate when injury can and may happen. We just can only do our best to keep ourselves resilient to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we've touched up on the flexibility, the strength. You know, the last thing I really wanted to touch up on is you're very passionate about old school strength. So like the weird lifts that the old school strongmen would do. What got you into that? Well, it's when you start, you know, realizing that there's really no unsafe movements at the end of the day, if you start building yourself strong and resilient in all these vulnerable positions. And then even as the research presents itself and says, well, there really isn't such thing as a bad exercise, just one that we're not prepared for. And then you go back and look at what these guys were doing. And as much as maybe, you know, a decade ago it was laughed upon, it actually makes more sense now than anything. Yeah. It's like picking the barbell up from behind the body or doing a a rotational press. It's like these guys, I think, had it right. And they were living to be stronger human beings and become more resilient that way. And um, when you do get into their work, it's also um, a lot. There's a lot of depth in there that isn't uh, often recognized or given credit for. Like they had systems and principles about why they did things. Uh, that's pretty current with today's model. Like they always had uh, an appreciation for the GPP, general preparation kind of approach to training, yeah. and um, it's good stuff, man. Like it, it's probably the best thing I think an everyday athlete can be doing that doesn't have some kind of sports specific goal in mind. Yeah, you know, I was in a remote village in Iran for a whole summer and no powerlifting gym. And I noticed a lot of the villagers, uh, there was a lot of people who were just in insane shape. Then I went to a house of strength, which is where they do the traditional Iranian uh, clubs and stuff. And people were lifting stones. People were lifting logs, just very unconventional lifts. And they were all some of the strongest people I've ever met. Yeah. So I definitely agree with the unconventional left lifts. And if you look at a lot of the uh, world's strongest men, when they deadlift and all that, their backs are not straight. A lot of them no. have the rounded backs. Yeah. A lot of them have the rounded backs when they're squatting and all that. So when they say straight back this, straight back that, that's only to learn. But once you become advanced, you could do it with a bit of a rounded back and different stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're nearing the end about an hour now. Uh, yep. I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any final things to say? Any plugs, uh, for the audience? I would just say if flexibility is something that you haven't really spent the time to try to appreciate and understand. then I think looking at it through that lens of it being not very separate from strength training is, uh, something that I think you can appreciate if you start looking at it that way. 
and uh you know it's it's just identifying the right targets to work towards for better ranges of motion so if i mean you want to touch your toes if you want to learn how to get yourself into a wide position there's certainly steps that can be put in place to at least teach you those principles for the long haul and um i would say that if anything this conversation hopefully has led people to that path to see that there's a different way of doing things that could help them move better and kind of free up the uh the old refrigerator kind of feeling like you're not able to move and you're really afraid to be in vulnerable positions but uh yeah awesome awesome uh well thank you so much for coming on guys if you want to follow him follow lucas at range of strength and let him know i sent you thank you so much for coming on man it means a lot to me yeah thanks for having me on appreciate you have it. a wonderful day you All too right. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you guys liked the episode. Remember, Instagram name is at Range of Strength. If you are interested in buying one of his programs or checking out his page. But before you leave, make sure to follow me at K-O-O-L-R-A-K, at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu, and at Rambling with Rack. Please give the podcast a five-star rating or share it on your story on Instagram in which whatever platform you are listening to it on. Check out my website, immortalsjujitsu.com. And if you are in the North Jersey area, check out my gym, Immortals Jiu-Jitsu. Have a wonderful rest of your day.